listening to Shift Happens on Kootenai Co-op Radio. My name is Jeff. And I'm Anna. And this particular song was played for me as I was wheeled into the operating theater three years ago. And it has a very special place in my heart, literally. So I wanted to start out the show with this. Cretans, Clearwater, Revive. Yeah! Ah, you're listening to Shift Happens on Kootenai Co-op Radio. And today we are going to be interviewing the usual interviewer, Jeff. Well, I, I also usually interview. But um, we decided, because it's Jeff's three-year anniversary of having heart surgery, that we would try to do a retrospective on the past, the event itself, the recovery, and what we learned from the whole experience so that we could maybe help other people who have recently gone through heart surgery or who have that sneaking suspicion that they need to do something about their heart. Well, I think just their health in general, right? Mm-hmm. It can be heart, it can be cancer, it can be brain tumor, whatever. But So yeah. what I uh, what I kind of wanted to do this next hour is talk about all of the things that we've learned as a result and the way that it's changed your life, Jeff. Mhm. Um can you looking back now over the last 3 years say that you wish it hadn't happened? Well, that's a mixed bag of cookies. If you would have asked me that within, well, the first few weeks or months, well, I wouldn't have been able to give you a straight answer there either. I mean, it was great to have the operation done and solve the problem, but the aftermath, I I never would have expected how difficult a process it was. So, yeah, it's a mixed bag of cookies. I'm, am I glad I've gone through it at this point? Yes, there's been a lot of growth and a lot of healing that has gone on because of it. Mm-hmm. And I'm not talking just my physical heart, if you will. So, Having come through the other side and having to learn a lot about... Yeah. Uh, both the process and the recovery so as not to repeat the <laughs> the process unnecessarily. Right. Um, do you think that it would have been possible to avoid having heart surgery in the first place if we'd been a little forewarned? You know, on one hand, I believe that if I would have stayed true to eating the things that I knew were good for me instead of what the quote-unquote experts said, and I know I've had a few rants on this particular line mm-hmm. of, of thinking over the last number of months, maybe a couple of years. But the truth of the matter is, I, I still think there was a problem. And in some ways, it was a blessing that things caught up to me in the way that it did, because because I, I couldn't be as active as I wanted to be because I felt myself shutting down, it wasn't even a temptation to push it mm-hmm. to no pain, no gain, typical macho male kind of thing, right? Because I knew that there was something wrong. But being the typical macho male, I was also... In a, denial? Well, and a chicken <laughs> when it came to my health, right? right. And so... I wanted to hit the gym again. I used to be a bodybuilder and I ran every day and blah, blah, blah. But I was tired of getting, well, what do they call it? Dunlop disease, where your gut dunlops over your belt. Anyway, little attempt at humor there. Um, anyway, so I wanted to get better. I wanted to feel good again. I wanted to move. But it, there was a whole combination of things that were going on. I had broken my back in my early 20s, and that's what killed my my physical career in terms of athletics. 
And that event not only impacted my physical shell, my, my body, but it also impacted my, well, it, it, it your sense of being it, omnipotent. Uh, yeah, it, it really pulled the the rug out from underneath my feet, and that was a really difficult thing. Because hey, when you're young and stupid, and hey, just because, well, just I'm not young, I'm not saying not that stupid. when you're young <laughs> that you're stupid, but I was. You're not as wise. Let's put it that way, and. So I didn't realize that pushing myself on the ski hill would have that kind of impact on my future. And But again, I, I'm answering your question in a very roundabout sort of way. Mm -hmm. I've just learned because of going through the various dark nights of the soul, I've learned to see the light, to quote the song, the song that we just played. You always have to focus on the silver lining. You're dealt a bad card or a bad hand in a game. Or bad genetics in your case. All of the above, right? And so what do you do with it? And so, yeah, I would have taken a different path if I would have had my physical prowess. I would have used my strength. I was a very strong, very big boy. And I would have used my brawn to make my living. And instead, because I was gutted in that way, it forced me to use my brain. And that, I think, was not a, a bad thing in the end. Mm -hmm. And so I had a pretty wonderful career in various, various industries. And I used my intelligence and I used my heart to navigate the world so i don't know does that answer your question yeah. you know it's funny for whatever reason over the last couple of days i've been thinking about the fact that you know what what are our particular strengths what what do we bring to the world um because i've been reading these blogs about you know these brainiacs that are inventing new technologies or whatever it is yeah and, you know, we both have this goal of, of making use of our lives to improve the world. Yeah. And so I've been asking myself, what do we bring to it? And the one thing that keeps coming up is emotional intelligence. And it's interesting to me that, you know, you live your life pretty much through your heart. Yeah. And it's the one... And it's a big challenge. It is. And maybe mm -hmm. it's linked. Maybe the fact that you feel so much and that everything, that your your major way of perceiving the world is through your heart. Maybe that is why your heart broke in a sense. Because it's not an easy world to be living in right now. Well, it was a, a combination of things. Um Definitely the emotional impact, because when I do relate, when I interface with the world and I'm coming from my heart, it makes me very vulnerable. And so the way I used to handle that was by stuffing myself. I mean, it's not like I was an overeater or whatever, but I... I had my comfort foods that would short me out mm -hmm. so that I didn't feel anymore. Because if I was to just be totally open and totally without protection, if you will, then the slings and arrows were just much too intense for me. And that was an acquired circumstance because, as I said, I, I, I had... Well, the first half of my life was about being extremely healthy and athletic and everything else. And after the after the accident, I mean, I still tried to to be physical, but it was always with great challenge. And I was always dealing with this Achilles back. And that didn't, let's just say, it didn't die easily. 
even though I had that problem, I still thought, okay, I'm strong, I'm omnipotent, and I can still do what I used to do. But it didn't take long for me to discover otherwise. So I think I've digressed from your, your question. <laughs> what was your question it's again? Okay. It, it's okay. It's not a problem. Um, so, you know, thinking about your genetics and oh, coming okay. from that perspective. Right. And this is where, you know, I would like to get across to some of the listeners who have perhaps the same Achilles heart. Yeah. You had a genetic issue with uh, producing cholesterol or having that cholesterol stick to your arteries. We have since learned that that the link in all of that is inflammation. Yeah. And that your particular body becomes inflamed, especially in the arteries, yeah. when you do certain things. Well, when I consume certain things. And again, what we're doing on this show, we just share from our perspective and from what we've researched, and we're not claiming to be authorities. But that being said, and I don't entirely buy into the blood type diet, Okay, I've seen people take that one to an extreme as well. Mm -hmm. But when I looked at the the list of foods that were acceptable and the foods that were a challenge, yeah, 80% of what was listed I knew I had a problem with. And one of those in particular was wheat. Right. And even when I cheat and have just a little bit here or there or I'm not, I'm not super anal retentive about it when we go out for, uh, for a meal at a restaurant, I can sometimes feel it if I've taken too much. But at least now, because I am so clear, I am feeling so much better, I know the difference. And right. I can't go back to the way it used to be. Not if I still want to live. So that, yeah, that is, so that's the thing. With your body, you you do typically have fairly high cholesterol. Yeah. But we have done a lot of research and worked with a lot of different health professionals over the last three years. To Where it's not that big of a deal. To figure out the fact that yeah. cholesterol isn't really the issue. The, the cholesterol is there all the time. It's a precursor to a lot of different hormones. It's a necessary yeah. thing that your body produces regardless yeah. of whether you eat fat or not. So that was a a thing that we were trying to do was for you to eat a low-fat diet, which generally results in eating a high-carb diet. Yeah, which because if converts you to sugar. So protein. whether you're eating sugar or whatever. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I was eating relatively healthy before we changed our, our diet or before mm -hmm. I changed mine. Mine was much more strict than yours. But... Yeah, um, it's it's definitely, the struggle that I had was dealing with what was planted in my mind when the procedure happened or immediately thereafter, and them telling me that if I stopped taking the drugs that they had recommended that I would die. They said it that bluntly. And that was a... A major kick in the head for me and I've never I'll I'll be the first one to admit that I've never really been a proponent of Western medicine because even as a young man every time I dabbled in it when a doctor would prescribe something it ended up causing more problems for me than the mm -hmm. solution that it was designed for so I've never been a believer, but I'm also not a believer in snake oil either because there's always someone that comes along that says, take this magic green guck and it'll make your life better. Well, that's not the case either, but that's where coming across Cheryl, uh, we mm -hmm. interviewed her a few months back. Coming across her at the wellness fair in Kamloops was 
was the turning point? Well, it, it was huge for me mm -hmm. because I realized, okay, I've been a good boy. I've been doing what the medical industry told me to do, but I was on the verge of having a problem again. And right. so... So for two and a half years, yeah. you, you took the heart medication, the, the yeah. statin. Yeah. And for two and a half years, you ate a low-fat diet. Yes. And at the end of that point, you were almost diabetic. One point below you, diabetic. You yeah. were gaining weight, not losing it. Yeah. You had less and, energy. Yeah. And, and part of that problem, too, for me was I was being a good boy, but I was still physically showing a problem. And call it vanity, call it what you will, but as a, a trainer years ago... Uh, I was pretty proud of my physical, you know, my physique. And so when I would look in the mirror and see what I saw, it wasn't a pleasant experience for me. So it created this emotional roller coaster for me as well. So, and then you're trying, it's failing, and you say, well, okay, I'll, I'll have that, that burger with the bun. I'll have the the french fries or whatever because what's the use it doesn't matter what i do i'm still going down going right. downhill and that was a vicious cycle and the other thing too and again this came from the interaction with cheryl just the knowledge of how the statin was because its design is to reduce cholesterol by attacking the liver Mm -hmm. And so what was happening was my hormone levels, testosterone in particular, basically just plummeted like right now. And so it let, had let's a huge get some impact. clarity on that. Cholesterol yeah. is the building sort of block. the building block of testosterone. Also yes. CoQ10, yes. cortisol, quite a few different hormones that your body Estrogen. really needs. Yes. I don't, yeah, is it estrogen too? Well, I know that testosterone yeah. in the male converts, converts to, to it's it's not exactly called estrogen from what I understand, but it is, it's very similar. similar. And that Which is, is what, heart protective. Exactly. It protects the cardiovascular system. And so is CoQ10. Yes. Which they used to put in the, in the allopathic medicine, but they took it out and they never said why. <laughs> so... so so there are a lot of other uh, consequences to having your testosterone dropping and yeah. to having uh, low CoQ10 levels. And uh, it was like, okay, taking taking uh, an assessment of my energy level and saying, okay, how would I? How would I describe being 100%? So you tune in to how you feel, how much energy you've got when you actually crash at night in terms of energy levels, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. So when I tune into that, how I used to be and not that long ago, and then after I was medicated, it was like I was operating at 10%. And... That's a long ways down. It was a, a very long ways down. And, but again, I had this fear inside where they told me that if I don't, I'll be dead if I don't continue taking these drugs. So what was the turning point? Why did you stop taking them? Uh, you're nagging, actually. <laughs> you're nagging in combination with Cheryl. Um, and I've said this on the show before, where the the turning point for me was the fact that she had one foot in allopathic medicine and she has the other foot in uh, functional maybe, medicine functional integrative not, not medicine. naturopathic or whatever but yeah. yeah integrative medicine and that came out because she herself had gone through her own struggle she had been treated for her ailments uh, through the medical system and it wasn't working and so what do you do when you follow the advice of experts? And she went really high up the food chain because she was, she was in the, the system. 
So they were willing to go the extra mile to help her. Mm -hmm. And it still didn't happen. And so the magic for me, meeting her, was she was motivated as well. She'd, she'd already gone through her dark night of the soul. And when I came along, she, she dug in a little deeper. And for whatever reason, what she shared with me made sense. And, and again, the fact that she knew what she was talking about in terms of allopathic medicine, and she knew what blood tests for, for me to get, she knew what I had to do to investigate, to find out what was really going on. Mm -hmm. And so it, it took that. And it was also the fact that I felt so crappy going to that event and feeling like I was drowning, not having a clue. What do I do? And then the fear of having to take that magic carpet ride to the hospital again. Mm -hmm. That it just wasn't going to happen. I would have been dead on arrival. I know that. And that's the thing. I knew that I had sufficient leverage on myself at that point. And once again, I had to choose. Just like when I had the procedure three years ago. And I had to choose. You know, that it reminds me of um, another woman I've come across recently. Mm -hmm. You know, the statement is, I've done everything I was supposed to do. I have yeah. followed all the rules. Yeah. And... I'm still critical. I'm still dying. Yeah. So at that point, you don't really have anything left to lose. Exactly. And, but it still comes down to that choice. Do you just say, okay, I give up. I'll just enjoy myself as I as I deflate and wither into nothing? Or do I still choose to fight? And I still chose to fight. I There's so much to live for. And just being able to share this too, for people who are going through their own struggles or they know someone who's going through a struggle. And that's the thing too. I mean, I'm, I'm going to break from the the line of questioning here because what comes to my mind as well is how important it is to feel like you're supported mm -hmm. no matter what whatever choices you're making to have a circle of friends that are there for you and I have to be honest uh, that circle for me was very small I, as you've talked about, as we've touched on at the beginning of this show, I relate to the world from my heart. And I can't help but do that. If I can't engage my heart in what I do, and it's just purely a mental process, I, I just can't do it. I mean, I'm very capable in terms of my, my mind, but it has to be engaged with my heart. And I live in a community that I've put a lot of blood, sweat, and tears into in the North Valley. And I, after living there for 12 years, I think it is, this fall, right? We moved in 2006. Mm -hmm. I can't say that I have a circle, hard as I've tried. And both you and I have been on various societies, serving on various boards, trying to make a difference in the community. And it's, well, it's like we were, we were led to understand, like the local reporter basically claims that I am an undercover agent for the new radical right party, whatever the hell that means. And so many things that I've tried to do there and get stabbed in the back. And 
it's really, even though I've come to a place of detachment and I'm not raw about it anymore, I still go through this process in the last three years. What was the use of my life? I've tried so hard, I've put my heart and soul into other people and for the most part have not received anything back. And okay, maybe I'm, I'm whining a little bit about it and I think I'm entitled considering the effort that I did make. But on the other hand, the lesson that I keep learning is that the most important person that you support and you give your your heart and your energy to is yourself mm -hmm. and so you do what you do not to be accepted by or others accepted. or whatever um, you do it because that is what you do whether someone likes it or not and mm -hmm. that's kind of what you know how it's worked with the radio show for us right I think a lot of people try to find their self-esteem yeah. through others. You know, if I give yeah. enough, if I do enough, if I trip over myself enough, if I martyr myself, then exactly. other people will like me and then I will like me. Exactly. But it has to happen the other way around. But it's a conditioned thing, right? I mean, it starts with our relationship, I believe, with our parents. Mm -hmm. uh, we start out as really, really small creatures that are very vulnerable to the physical world in which we have come into. Mm -hmm. And we are totally at the mercy of these people that aren't maybe sure that they're happy that I'm in the world, <laughs> right? right? They're having their regrets. They're having their worries as to will they be a good parent? Will they be a good provider and all of that stuff? And then there's the whole emotional process of effectively raising a child okay so yeah you come into a situation as a child where you learn that you have to give your power away to your parents you have to be cute you have to be your life good. depends upon it yeah because your life depends on it and then as you grow older your freedom your ability to hang out with your friends etc cetera, etc cetera, is directly impacted by whether your parents are happy with you or not, at right. least sometimes. I mean, if a parent doesn't care, they, they don't care, but you get my point. Mm -hmm. And then you enter the whole school system and you're conditioned to giving your power away to the teachers and your to peer the, the peer group, the cliques that are around you. Mm -hmm. And so we're always complying to someone else. And if you're a good little boy or a good little girl, you're going to put in the effort so that you can get that pat on the head. And I guess that's really the lesson that I've taken away from all of this is that it really is just up to me to pat myself on the head, pat myself on the shoulder and say, in spite of not being seen and not being accepted, that I did it anyway. So it's been a huge, huge lesson. And as I've shared in the past too, it was not an easy thing. When I went through the procedure, the actually the first operation, the three-year anniversary was yesterday. But what happened was I bled internally and they had to open me up again at midnight, I believe it was, and it was done. I, I mean, you would remember. It was more like two or three o'clock in the morning. Okay. And they called me and said, uh, "We got to go back into surgery." Right. And I mean, I have to. The reason why I'm still here is because of you. If you wouldn't have fought for me, if you wouldn't have been there, and I know. I know how difficult it was. I mean, you walked into a room where I'm hanging on this inflatable bed, this $30,000 bed that 
basically rolled you in bed, you know, with a computer so that you never got bed sores or whatever. Anyway, she walks in after the first procedure had been done, and she, I could see in your face, I mean, I've had like 40, 50 tubes coming out of various parts of my body, and I know that that wasn't easy at all. No. And I know if the shoe was on the other foot, that it would have been hell for me. So anyway, um, the fact that you were there and you were unrelenting in, in the process of keeping me alive, that is really why I chose to stick around. Well, I'm glad you did. Well, I'm glad that you're glad. <laughs> um, and again, it's been... It's been a process of choosing life ever since. Mm -hmm. The recovery process was absolute hell. I couldn't breathe. I'm still having difficulty. It's not nearly as bad, but I still have issues with my, my lungs. But it's getting better and better all the time. Well, they did collapse your lungs twice. Yeah, yeah. So... It's just dealing with those those things and realizing that if I am going to get better, if I am going to move forward, that sometimes all you can do is breathe in, breathe out, breathe in, breathe out, actively choosing to live. One of the things that I learned in the process of having a chronic illness for a good portion of my adult life yeah. is to trust my own perceptions of my own body and to advocate for myself, even break the rules for myself, yeah. find my own solutions, mm -hmm. and be unapologetic about advocating for my body yeah and managing my body in the way that I want to manage it and you you're a canary mm -hmm. when you have a problem you know about it very very quickly and it's in your face and it won't let you go until you deal with it for me in my life, I've learned to tune out so many kinds of pain, physical pain in particular. Mm -hmm. So I just turn the switch on, and even though I know something isn't the way it, it should be, I have this iron trap of a, of a mind. It makes me stubborn as hell, too, I realize. Yes. But that was my mechanism because it's what helped me continue the next day. And I think about, as I said that, I think about things that Sana has shared in the Tai Chi class where she says, don't beat yourself up. If you're holding yourself in a particular posture, that's what worked for you up to this point. It's what helped you get through your life, holding yourself in a certain way. And for me, it was always standing, you know, erect, and with my head cocked back, and yeah, you just try to hit me and find out what will happen to you. Right. And so, I mean, that worked for me, just as, well, having the reaction or the ability to block pain, that worked for me mm -hmm. up until it no longer didn't, and I knew it didn't. Yeah. And so I had to choose differently. And so being able to share this with our listeners is important to me. Mm -hmm. Not, again, because I'm an expert in all of this. I'm an, I am an expert in being stubborn as H-E double hockey sticks. I can attest to that. Yeah. Cannot move a man if he is not willing to be moved. Yeah. But I also have an open heart. 
and my motivations, regardless of what individuals in my community claim, my heart is in the right place. Mm-hmm. And for the first time it was in my put life, there surgically. <laughs> yeah. I'm just saying for the first time in my life, I don't feel like I have to apologize for who I am. If you don't like me, that's fine. And you can talk about me behind my back all you want. It doesn't matter. And as you and I have talked about, I've removed myself from the community in which I live. There are still wonderful people that I interact with and I'm willing to have a conversation with. But for the most part, I'm done. And I hate saying that, but I'm done. And because it really does come down to available energy. When I realize, okay, if I've only got so much energy to move in the day, to navigate my day, where am I going to place that energy? Am I going to put it where it isn't appreciated, where I can't create or co-create a flow? Mm -hmm. Or do I work in conjunction with people who are on the same path and who I don't have to prove my worthiness to? And so within the next whatever it's going to be, months, maybe a year, we'll probably end up being much closer to Nelson. And I I really have appreciated the connections that that we have made. And I think about these Aussies that we've come across. We've been to, well, I think I've been to four of the churches. The Church of Good Church Times. Church of Good Times, about. right? And it was a special one this last Sunday. And it's just really heartening to see young men in their mid-20s to late-20s, whatever, choosing to live their lives through their hearts and to encourage other people to do the same. Mm-hmm. That's and right. That's why you fit in there. It's why... It, it was an instant connection because yeah. that's exactly what you're all doing is yeah. living through your heart. And that's what I'm trying to do. I mean, you know, my particular way of surviving uh, my childhood was to to shut down, right. to really go internal. and Which was a frustration for me. Yes. Because I, trying I to relate to you, um, yeah, trying to relate to you when you were blocking that mm-hmm. was a challenge and that created another Issues problem for, for me. Yeah. But again, I'm not whining about it. For me, it, it, the lesson always comes back to why am I choosing to live the way I do? Mm-hmm. If it's to be accepted by someone, even if it's my principal relationship, okay, if I'm living my life so that you accept me, well, some time in the future, that's going to break down. Yeah. Right? And so if you lose your life partner for whatever reason, maybe they're taken away with an illness, maybe they leave you. If that totally guts you to the point where you no longer want to exist, that's a really dangerous place to be. Mm-hmm. We have to choose to live for ourselves, for our own reasons. And I mean, the others are, uh, you know, they help <laughs> the issue. Being there for you, being there for our family, um, being there for the cats was important for me. That was one of the biggest motivations for me to get better too, was to be there for these creatures that wouldn't have understood why I'm not around anymore. And it was so touching when, I mean, I'm flashing back now when I came, when I came back from the hospital and we had rented a hospital bed and for my recovery for the first month. And 
it was a long day, and I remember you getting me into the hospital bed, and I was really concerned that the cats were going to jump up on top of my chest. And instead of doing that, our cat, Ziggy, little cutie pie that he is, he jumped up on the bed on my feet, and it took him probably five minutes to slowly inch his way toward me. And I'll always love him. Yes, he was very careful. He seemed yeah. to know that he couldn't step in certain places. Yeah. And he worked his way up so that he could give you some loving. Mm-hmm. Yes. The critters in our lives, I think, you know... They're my best friends. And and so often for people, it's their animals where they can actually love freely. Yeah. It's safe enough Yeah. to love freely. Yeah. I think that's why pets are so important for people. Mm-hmm. So looking back, and I, I mean, I know we followed the path that we needed to follow and, and no one can convince you to do anything. So it had to be done in a way that you reached a point where you were yeah. willing to break the rules in order to find your own wellness. Yep. But Looking back, you know, giving someone else advice, what would you have done differently? Wow. I mean, hindsight is always twenty twenty. right? I know. Well, it, I mean, other people can benefit from our hindsight. Yeah. Um, when your partner nags you. <laughs> listen to her. Maybe listen. <laughs> um. The key is, all I can say is, the most important thing is to dig down deep and ask yourself, why are you choosing to get out of bed every day? What are your motivations? And if you don't feel that you have sufficient motivations, dig deeper. Find out what makes you want to stay, whatever it is. It can be your partner, it can be a family member, it can be a pet, it can be a cause, whatever it is. Causes can get you into trouble too, though. If you join a cause that's willing to or encourages you to betray who you are, becoming the dark knight, in order to take down an evildoer. That's not necessarily, well, in my opinion, that's not serving yourself. So the key is to just be really clear and then be willing to say, okay, what is working in my life? And have the courage to ask what isn't working in my life. And maybe I have certain habits that I know that I'm doing to reduce the things that aren't working or at least the pain of those things. I used food. Some people use alcohol, drugs, sex, whatever. And, and again, I mean, I wasn't, I didn't do it excessively, but for me it was enough just simply eating foods that, I knew did not work for me. So that would be the advice that I, I would offer. Find out what motivates you. What do you love? Who do you love? And then act according to that from, your, from the depths of your being. So here's another tough question. Mm -hmm. what did you learn from this process? I mean, there are you're a very different person now than you were three years ago. Mm -hmm. There have been a lot of steps along the way. Some of them, you're, you know, I can attest to the fact that you're no longer sabotaging yourself with food. Mm -hmm. um, you are 
not so quick to give your power away to professionals. Or to individuals that accuse me of being things that I am not. You have definitely learned to stand up for yourself in this process. And sometimes standing up for yourself means walking away. It doesn't mean picking a fight. Mm -hmm. It means, okay, you realize that you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink. And everybody looks at the world through their own lenses, through their own sunglasses, right? Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, it really does come down to not owning other people's opinions on any level. And that means politically as well. I mean, yeah, I have issues with the President of the United States, but I also have equal issues with the contender that was up against him. I think they're both flawed individuals that should never have even been, it shouldn't even, they shouldn't have been on the ballot, (laughs) right? Mm -hmm. But we're always stuck with choices of, bad option A versus bad option B. And it applies to everything in our quote-unquote civilized world. So you have to find your own option C. Exactly. And so that's really what I've learned in all of this. And how many times have I been let down by organizations that claim to be one thing or the other, but in the end, they're human they're flawed and dysfunctional. And it's very difficult for me to be a joiner because what if I don't agree with the company line? I could say I'm of this political party, but there isn't a party Mm -hmm. in this country that I could actually say with pride that this is who I am because... I I know <laughs> I know what goes on. I've I've seen the underbelly and it's I, I personally believe that we should all be independent and act according to our deepest hearts and that's how things can change. Why do you think this whole experience I mean, you've had to fight for your life, basically. Yes. yes. For the last three years. Yeah. Still am. I still fight for my life. And that... that, Go ahead. Ask your question. Well, I was just thinking, you know, why was it that this experience became so much a battle? You know, I, I think of... Sure, there's lots of other people that we've met since that you had... Um, heart surgery. Lots of people have had heart surgery. Yeah, and had absolutely no problem. Exactly. Yep. It's because I'm a pussy. (laughs) I'm one of those emotional people. I'm not a machine, and I know that I'm not a machine. Mm -hmm. And not to say that people who sail through it are machines, but for me, I relate to my world through my heart, period. And there's so much more to the heart than physical pump. Yeah. They're proving more and more that there is higher intelligence and ability to impact the environment around you through your heart, not through your brain. Mm -hmm. It's your heart. And I died twice three years ago in the process. Right. And, yeah. It's been recovering from that, from the emotional impact of that, as much as it has been recovering from the physical. Very much so. And expecting family members to be there for me when they weren't. Right down to that. And closest friends not even calling or showing up. That was very, very hard. But again, in the end, I'm grateful for it because what it did is it taught me as I was taking those baby steps back, getting my life back. Every time I increased by a certain percentage, it was because 
I was doing this for me and no one else. Not even you. I was doing this for me. And that's how I know it's real. And it just so happens that everyone else that I care about benefits from that. And it removes the responsibility. If I was doing this, if I made the changes because mm-hmm. of you, mm-hmm. then that puts you under pressure. I, I was right? actually just thinking that very thing. I was thinking, you know, that actually, that switch, when that went off in you, mm-hmm. when I realized you were no longer living for my sake, but mm-hmm. for your own, yeah, that took a huge amount of pressure off of me. Yeah. It was like having a thousand pounds list lifted from my shoulders. And suddenly I felt freer to express my love. Yeah. Because it it didn't come with so much stuff attached to it. Exactly. So, I don't know. It, we're getting to the, cl- uh, the top of the hour here. Do you want to play a song? Yeah, I would. But have I addressed everything that you wanted to cover in this? Yeah, I think I think so. Okay. How about you? Is, do yeah. you have anything else you want to say? Just that you're going to be putting up with us even more. We're throwing ourselves even more into doing the show. It's something that I very much believe in. I love this community. And even though I have my issues with my dysfunctional family in the North Valley, I still love them. I just realize that it's it's just time to move on. It's about compatibility. But I will continue to do what this song talks about. It's done by the trues. I've played it a few times in our show, but it's just one of those that's just so important to me and always just grabs me by the heart. And so we're going to end off the show with Sing Your Heart Out by The Trues, and we'll see you next week.